Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. Psalms chapter 91. This chapter is known as the Psalm of Protection. It's known as the protection chapter out of your book of the Bible. I think is it her name? Peggy Joyce Ruth, is that her name? Peggy Joyce Ruth has probably got 500 books she's written on. Psalms chapter 91. She's got Psalms 91 for soldiers, Psalms 91 for wives, for husbands, for criminals. I don't know what all she's got. But she's made a career out of writing books about Psalms 91. And it is an amazing chapter in your Bible. And it's a a chapter of protection. And we're going to read through that. And I want to preach this morning on God's protection over the Christian. Amen. That's a great blessed thing that God has got his protective hand over you. And we forget that sometimes. Psalm chapter 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. So it starts out right at the beginning of verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. If you take a coin and pull a coin out of your pocket, it's going to say, if it's an American coin, in God we trust. Amen? Amen. And still got that on the coins, right? I hadn't seen any of the newest coins, but I figured they're still on there. In God we trust. But do we trust God in America? I don't think so. It sure don't seem that way. We trust science. And why in the world would anybody trust science? They're wrong about everything. What? And I know somebody just said this the other day. I think brother, it might have been Brother Deems. Is an egg good for you or is an egg bad for you? One week an egg is the worst thing you can eat and the next week an egg is good for you. One week coffee's the worst thing you can drink. Next week coffee's great for you. They don't know. I mean, they, they're still trying to make their mind up. I, it was a couple years ago. It amazed me. A couple years ago, they said they found a new muscle in the face that they never found before. How is that possible? <laughs> I thought we had all that figured out, you know. If you're putting your trust in science, you're a fool. Listen, we can put man on the moon, but we can't cure baldness. Come on, you think I'm putting my trust in science? Get out of here. I'm not putting my trust in science at all. It'll let you down. I'm not putting my trust in religion. Religion will let you down. Amen. Religion will send you to hell. I'm not putting my trust in another Christian. I've had Christians fail me. Amen. I've had Christians do me wrong. Amen. Good, godly, saved Christians do me wrong. Amen. Well, where are you putting your trust, Brother Keegan? I'm putting my trust in Lord God. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ. I will put my trust in him. That's where we should put our trust. Look, verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. God describes himself as an eagle. I'll lift you up on eagle's wings. Jesus Christ, when he's looking over Jerusalem, he said, I will, Oh, Jerusalem and Jerusalem, I would have gathered together like a hen gathers her chicks. But you would not. God loves to take his children and puts them under his protective wing. And that's what we want from God. We want to be protected by God under his wing, under his, and his truth in verse four, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. The truth 
is what sets you free, amen? And the truth, if it's a buckler, it's what, when you have your clothing on and you were a soldier and you put that buckler on, it's what held everything together. Truth does. Truth holds everything together for you. And it's a shield to you. When somebody's firing stuff at you and the, and the devil's firing those fiery darts at you, Satan's firing those fiery darts at you, you should put up your shield of truth and say, I got the truth and it's going to protect me. God will protect me. The truth shall protect me. Verse 5, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. By the terror by night. When I was a little kid, I had terror. I, I, they would call them terror dreams. I don't know if there's other different names. I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming my head off. How would you like to be woke up like that? I would wake up literally, ah! I mean, just screaming in terror. And I'd done that three or four times as a kid. And I did that one time when I spent the night at a friend's house. And I woke up the whole house. I was so embarrassed. It was a terror. I was, in ter- I was terrified. But you know, once I got saved and accepted Jesus Christ, all that went away. You know, when I was a kid, I was so afraid of the dark. I'd go over to a friend's house. And when I'd come back. I come back from a friend's house at night, and my, I lived like three blocks down. It was nighttime, and of course, there was hardly any light out there. In my mind, there was always somebody right there about to get me. And I'd be walking, I'd try to keep my calm, and then I'd walk a little faster and a little faster, and I'd kind of glance, and then before long, you'd see me running. Well, I don't even know what I was running from. I was terrified by the night. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's actually things you should be terrified of Amen. that we don't see. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is the stuff that we don't see. God's protecting us and Satan's out there. And these are the things we can't see with our eyes that spiritually are taking place in this world that we can't see. I know a pastor whose daughter, his daughter came down the aisle one night, came down the aisle to him and said, I got to talk to you, daddy. And she was in tears. He said, what can I do for you, baby? And this was during the church service and they were having the invitation. And she said, daddy, every night I wake up. There's a dark figure standing over my bed. Every night, and she was terrified. Every night, Daddy, he's standing over there. I wake up, he'll be standing over my bed, or I wake up, he'll be standing in the corner looking at me, and I can't make him out, but it's a dark figure, and I can feel how evil it is. And that pastor said, Honey, darling, you got to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. you got to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that young girl, she pleaded the blood of Jesus Christ, and all those things went away. That girl now is running, is running one of the greatest ministries in Brown County right now. The, the devil knew what she was going to do. Now that I'm so many years later, I can look back on that and I said, man, the devil's trying to knock her out, trying to scare her, trying to get her out of there because he knew what she was going to do. But we shouldn't be terrified by night because we have Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ covering us. Nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Verse 6, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. You know, there's a lot. I've gotten reports, and I've got a lot. You know, if you ever come to my house, I've got a whole house full of books. My wife was, where were you at the other day? And somebody was asking about reading. There's a doctor was asking about reading a book or whatever. And you're like, I have a whole house. My house is a library. She told the doctor. And I was like, that's not that bad yet. We don't have it all categorized. You know, it's all laying in. I have a bunch of books. And I've got piles and piles of books of testimonies of people that have had their protective hand put on them by God. You know, there's been, uh, let's see, there's three different wars. Yeah, three different wars and four different soldiers that were saved by their New Testament Bibles in their front pocket. A bullet hit that Bible and didn't go through and they were saved by that New Testament Bible. Do you know there's two of those guys that claim that the brown mark from the bullet stops at verse 91, chapter 91, verse 7 of Psalms? Now, that's amazing. What I just read it to you. God's protective hand was on them. 
If you'll pray and ask God to protect you, he'll take care of you. Are you his child? Amen, you're his child. Praise the Lord. You're his, praise the Lord, you're his child. And if, he, if you're his child, he's going to take care of you. If my son is out in the street and somebody's whipping up on my son, you don't think I'm going to look out the window and say, oh, well, I hope he wins that battle. And then close. No, I'm going to run out there. I'm going to fight, fight. I'm going to do whatever it takes because that's my kid and I'm going to protect him. And if you break in my house and if you're dumb enough to do that, I'm going to shoot you and kill you right on the spot because that's my job to protect my family. Amen, he'll protect his children. You know what it says here, and and back in verse 2, it says, in him will I trust. It says, in him will I trust. But do you really trust him? You know what Job said? Job said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Though he slay me, I will trust in him. That's faith. Man, he said, even if God kills me, I still will trust. He's doing the right thing for me. But boy, man, that's a hard faith to have, isn't it? Amen. That's a hard faith to have. Verse 8. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. There's angels that are there to protect you. And it's something you can't see. It's something spiritual. You'll find angels in Genesis, and you're going to find angels in Revelation. You're going to find angels all through the Bible. The angels had not gone away. Amen. And the problem is, is that we're not looking for some of this stuff. And we're so blind, and we're, so, we're living in the flesh, that we don't see when God's hand's moving, and maybe when there's an angel that comes by our way. Because see, we got... We got the world trying to convince us that an angel's just got these big old wings and has got this long blonde hair and is flying around. That's nowhere near what the Bible describes an angel looks like. The Bible describes an angel looking like a man, about a 30-year-old young man. That's what the Bible describes an angel looking like. All the time, angels are mistaken to be men, and they don't know they're talking to an angel. And they're blinding their eyes. Did you not read where the disciples are walking with Jesus Christ, and they don't realize it's Jesus Christ? Until the very end, he breaks bread and blesses it, and their eyes are opened. you got to be careful. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, that men, be ter- careful how you entertain strangers. Men have entertained angels unaware. Amen. That's New Testament. You run into somebody, just happen to see them hitchhiking on the road, or you run into somebody at a store, something like that, and you got to be careful who you're rude to. and who you, you don't know if an angel's coming by your way. You know, if God was to open up your spiritual eyes right now, and can show you the battle that's going on with the angels and with the demons around. It'd probably scare us half to death. It would scare us half to death. This is the verse right here that Satan used and quoted to Jesus Christ when he's on the temple. Because Satan knew that Jesus had angels that were protecting him and watching over him. And after Satan left him from that temptation, the Bible says the angels came and ministered to Jesus Christ. The angels are there to minister to you. The angels are there to take care of you. Every little child, I believe, according to Matthew chapter 13, has a guardian angel. Says Jesus Christ warns you, he says, beware, because there are angels behold the face of the Father up in heaven. So they're, they're, these little children have little angels that watch over them. Amen. And God's got angels watching over you. Amen. But we've got to look for it. You've got to look for it. You know, I'm going to read you this story. I, this is a book by Billy Graham called Angels, Angels, Angels. And he tells all kinds of stories about angels in here and all, all, the, the Bible, what the Bible has to say about angels. But listen to this missionary called, his name is Reverend John G. Patton. A missionary in the New, I said New High Brides Islands. I can't even hardly say that. Uh, hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night 
intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see the attackers unaccountably leave. They thanked God for delivering them. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in a surprise, Who were all those men you had had there with you? The missionary answered, There were no men there, just my wife and I. And the chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation. God has sent his angels to protect that dear missionary. Remember the Syrian king sent down all those troops to get Elisha and Elisha's in the house and his servant got up and he sees all those men surrounding him and uh, goes back into Elisha and says, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? All these men, they're here to kill us. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, you know what? You need not to be afraid. There's more that are on our side than are on their side. And he says, God, he says, he prays to God, open up this servant's eyes that he might see. And when that servant of God's eyes is open, he sees all these fiery chariots and all these angels surrounding the Syrian army. He couldn't see it, but Elisha could see it. God's protective hand is over everybody in here who's a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think of these as coincidences. Or we'll say stuff like, ooh, I was lucky. I was really lucky. I was driving along and, oh, I just almost hit that car. I'm so lucky. Man, you're not lucky. You're protected by God. And we don't give God the credit. And, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to get to heaven. God's going to say, you could have broke your leg here. You could have broke your neck there. You should have done this. You should have done that. But I was there with you. And we didn't even, we think, oh, I thought I was lucky. Really, we think we're lucky. We think it's all a bunch of coincidences and God's hands moving through all our lives doing that stuff for us. We just can't see these angels. I heard a story. I heard this personal story. This lady walked into a, a, it was a, they were having this church meeting. It was like in a strip center, I believe, where they had some old businesses. One of the businesses went out, so this church tried to take over. And this lady walked into this, uh, to this prayer meeting and a kind of a Bible study. And when she walked out, they had this man arrested there. And they were talking to the lady. They said, we need to ask you. They asked the, the lady to come over. They said, well, did you see this man? And she's like, no, I, no, I didn't see this man. She said, well, this man had just attacked this woman and raped her. And she's like, oh, that's all. She goes, he was standing there evidently when she walked in. And the police asked him, why didn't you attack her? And you know what that guy said to her or said to the police? He said, there were two men. There was a man on this side and a man on that side as she walked in that building. She had nobody walk in there with her. But God protected her. Amen. Protected her. You're under God's protection, if you like it or not. He, he loves you and he protects you, but you've got to look for God's hand in this stuff. I think one of the weirdest stories, and to me one of the neatest stories, was the Queen, Queen of Victoria was on the train, a British train, and they were carrying her across Britain, of course, and she's on this train, with this, and the engineer's there, and up above, it's nighttime, and in the headlights he sees this figure, and it's a black, kind of a dark, weird-shaped figure, and it's waving his hands like that. So as soon as the engineer, Brother George, sees that, he takes that train and he throws the brake on and he just shuts that train down. So they get out to find out who this guy is. It's waving his arms going crazy. They couldn't find him. So they walked down the tracks a little way and now a little further down the tracks was a bridge that was completely washed out. If they had not put on their brakes, if that figure wouldn't have been there, they would have had the Queen of Victoria and she would have went on there and killed her and everything, all that. So they started investigating, trying to figure out who's this dark figure? Who's this dark figure? They couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. They got the train back to the station and they got to looking at things and they looked inside the headlamp of the front of that train and it had a big old moth on there. And it was la- a moth. And it was laying there. 
So that train conductor, the one that was running the train, he took that moth and he turned back on the light and he put that moth and he stuck it there to the light. And sure enough, that moth, that big old moth was doing, when he did that, it looked just like what he'd seen. So he went and told the Queen of Victoria, he said, it was a moth that got in the lamp and it just, by coincidence, at that same exact time, was fluttering around and it made it look like a dark figure down the train tracks doing that. You know what the Queen of Victoria said? She said, this, this is nothing short of God's protecting hand on me. Amen. See, when you have an attitude like that, that's when God will do something for you. Amen. That's when God will do something for you. But you got to have God, you got to have that attitude. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. I heard a story about Paul Harvey. He told this story. This B-29 was sent over to the, the name of the city, Kokura, Japan. And they went to Kokura, Japan to drop this bomb. And when they got there, this cloud rolled in and they couldn't see and they kept circling and circling and they were getting ready to drop this bomb but they couldn't drop the bomb when the clouds were there and they kept waiting and waiting and it kept getting to work. They were running out of fuel so they had to go to their second destination. And the second destination they went to after they gave up on the first destination, they dropped that bomb and they went back as great success. They got back and you know what turned out? Where they were circling around Kokora, that's where right where the Japan, Japan moved thousands and thousands of our troops our POWs to that place. That the general was giving God thanks for that. Thank God we didn't know. We had no idea. And if that cloud wasn't there, we would have dropped that bomb right on all our troops. You know what that bomb was that they kept from dropping? It got dropped in Nagasaki. That was an atomic bomb. We were about to atom drop an atomic bomb on our own troops with that cloud with God's hand rolled in. Listen, guys. If you'll look in your life and you'll be honest with yourself, you'll see God's hand move in your life. You'll see God's hand move in your life. And there's things going on in your life where angels will show up or things will happen. And you'll, never, you'll have to just look for this stuff. But if you look for it, you'll see it. Do you have the faith? Some people say, have you ever seen an angel? I don't, I've never seen an angel that I know of. The only time I've ever had an encounter with somebody that I thought now years later, not at the time, but years later I think back, might have been an angel was one time I had a guy just show up at church. He had his little backpack. I mean, his little, and he goes, I, and he showed up at church, and he come into church, and I was teaching Sunday school at the time. That shows you how long ago this was. And he sat in church, and I talked to him, invited him into Sunday school, and he came into Sunday school, and he sat through the whole Sunday school class. He was a nice enough fellow. He goes, I just need a place. I need something to eat, somewhere to stay. I said, well, come home with me. And he came home with me that day, and I fed him, and then he went and played basketball. I went to play basketball. I always play basketball after Sunday, Sunday afternoon service, Sunday morning service. And he came, and he sat on the bench. He watched me play basketball. We put him in a hotel room, and I gave him my address. And say, hey, write me. Let me know what's going on. He goes, I will. And I never heard another thing from him. And years later, I think back the way that man was acting, the way he was, and it makes me wonder if I wasn't entertaining an angel unaware. If God didn't send that angel through that church to see, I want to see how they're going to react to this guy. I'm going to see how they're going to treat this guy that's homeless. You don't think God don't test us that way? Oh, most definitely he does. He's going to send an angel maybe by your way sometimes and say, hey, can I, can I have a buck or two? Or he might ask angel, hey, can, angel might come to you, can I help you? Can you help me do something? He's going to give you a test that way. You never know. And we all have heard the stories of a, of a car being overturned. Guy shows up and flips the car off of the person that's hurt. And the ambulance gets there and they all get there and they can't find the guy that flipped the car off. And the person gives praise to God and says, it had to be an angel. If you're looking for something great to happen in your life, God will do something for you. But you've got to be looking for this God's protective hand. You got to be looking for God's protective hand. You know, uh, and I'm about to close up, but I'll, I've heard this two different times. 
This guy showed up to rob a church. I think it was over in New England. I don't have it. No, it was actually in Washington, D.C. That's a surprise, amen? They had a church, and in Washington, D.C., this guy shows up, and he's going to rob the church in Washington, D.C. And he's got a gun. He grabs the offering money, and he runs out the back of the church, and it said some of the members ran after him, and they caught the guy, and he turned around, and he started trying to fire on these guys, the members of the church, and he kept firing, and the gun wouldn't go off. And they tackled him, and they grabbed the gun and got it away from him, and the police got there, and the police said, the gun was loaded. We have no idea why the gun didn't go off. I have an idea. I think it's God. God's protective hand. Amen. If you look for this stuff, you'll see God's protective hand. We don't look for God's hands. And we forget that there's angels moving around. There were angels in the Old Testament, and there was angels moving around in the New Testament. We forget to look for these things. But if you're looking for them, you're going to see it. You're going to see this stuff work in your life. You're going to see God's protective hand. And you're going to find out he is protecting me. He is taking care of me. And I am going to trust in him. And I'm going to give him the glory and the honor and the praise. That way he will protect me. So, you know, uh, Brother, uh, oh, Brother Ingesath came through here and he, he, said, he said a really good point. Really, really good point. He said, do you know why God make, makes you pray to him? Because, you know, God's almighty. God knows my problems. Why do I have to pray to God? Because he wants you to know where it's coming from. Amen. So you can know who to thank. Amen. Amen. So if you're praying and you're saying, God, I, you know I already need this, but please give it to me. Because God wants you to know, hey, it's coming from me because we serve a jealous God. Amen. It's coming from me, not from anybody else. It's coming from me. And then I want you to thank me. That's the God we serve. So if you come to God every morning with a prayer of, Lord, will you build a hedge of protection around me? That's how I pray. Lord, build a hedge of protection around my kids. Lord, build a hedge of protection around my... I'll build a physical, spiritual, emotional hedge of protection around me. And then I pray that over my wife and over my kids. I pray that over my family. I pray a hedge of protection to be built around them. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. And I pray that in faith, thinking, okay, Lord, if that breaks down and something happens, that's your will, then we'll go from there. But no matter if you slay me, I'm still going to trust you. But I'm going to pray that. Because see, what I'm doing is I'm giving him the honor. When you pray that, you're giving him the honor. You're giving him the glory. So when something does happen, good, and you just barely get missed, or you just barely miss out an accident, you just barely something doesn't happen to you, you know what you're going to do? If you've been praying like that, you're going to say, thank you, Lord. You're not going to say, I'm a lucky dude. I'm going to go play the lottery now. I have so many people say that stuff. I was so lucky. Now I'm going to run off and play the lottery. No, you need to get down on your knees and pray to God and thank him for doing that. When you're praying for God's protection, he'll take care of you. He will take care of you. He's took care of me. He'll take care of you. And he's got angels charged to take care of you. So go back to Psalms 91. Let's close at Psalms 91. Look at Psalms 91, verse 14. Look down at verse 14. He's got his angels. He's got charge over you. Verse 14, because, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Guys, there's so many promises right there. Oh man, look at verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me. Have you set your love on Jesus Christ? Amen. Have you set your love? What are you loving? You need to set your love on Jesus Christ. When I was going through my downtime, and man, I was in a rough spot. I called a dear brother in Christ. You know what he told me? The simple truth. He said, Keegan, I can't help you. I can pray for you, but there's one thing you need to do. I said, what's that, brother? He said, you need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Man, that's the best advice I've ever been given. That's right. 
Somewhere along the way, I lost my love for Jesus Christ. Oh, I, I trusted in Jesus Christ. I prayed to Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the way, I had lost my love for Jesus Christ. That happens in a lot of marriages. Somewhere along the way, you look up and you're like, man, I've stopped loving on her. Or he stopped loving on me. And we've got to find a way to bring that love back. It's a work, amen. You've got to work at this stuff. You've got to work at it. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him, and I will set him on high. Why? Because he hath known my name. Do you know the name of Jesus Christ? You got to know him. You got to know who he is. You got to be in love with him. You got to set your heart on him. You got to set your faith in him. You got to know his name, that name of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. He shall call upon me. Have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ? You got to know what name to call on, amen. It's the name of Jesus Christ. See, some dumb Jehovah's Witness going to come knock on the door and say, you don't know the name. The name actually is Jehovah. Uh, it's not, you know what? His name is Jehovah. But see, I know Jehovah a lot better than you do. Because see, I know him as Jehovah saves. Amen. Jesus means Jesus, Jesus, Jehovah saves. See, that's how I know the Lord. I don't only know the Lord's name. I know him as Jehovah saves. Jesus. And they'll say, you got to know Jehovah. I know Jehovah. I know him as a savior. Amen. Listen, you got to grab a hold of this stuff, man. Because listen, you come up to somebody and you say, that man's name is Jack. Yeah, that man's name, real name might be Jack, but to me, he's daddy. He's my father. And if your dad's name is Jack, and somebody comes up to you and says, that guy's real name is Jack. His real name might be Jack. But see, my relationship with him, my commitment to him is as daddy. He's my father because of our relationship. I don't call him Jack. I call him Dad. Just like I don't call him Jehovah, I call him Jesus. Jehovah saves. Because my relationship with God is not as Jehovah. It's as he's my Savior, Jesus Christ. Jehovah saves. I know his name. And it's the only name under heaven whereby a man might be saved. The name of Jesus Christ. You got to grab a hold of that name of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to get you into heaven. They're going to, the devil's going to send these people by to knock on your door to try to get you to talk, talk you out of that. You better have this stuff straightened out. I, he will, I will set him on high because he has known my name. Amen. Somebody comes by to me and says, uh, you know, I used to have all the time my mom, like, what, Vicky this and Vicky that. You know, I, don't, I never, if I ever called my mom by her first name, she would have slapped me in the face. I don't know if any of y'all's family is like that. I never called my mom Vicky. I couldn't... Uh, any of y'all's family like that? Like if I called my mom or dad by their first name, I called my mom by her first name, she would have slapped me. That was disrespectful. I called her mother because she was my mother. She took care of me. She was my mom. And when I was a kid, I mama, mama this and mama that. That was mommy to me. <laughs> I never, Vicky this. I mean, it drives me crazy to hear their kids call their parents by their first name. Now let me get off that rabbit trail and finish off. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Have you called on Jesus Christ? I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Look at verse 16. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You love him. You call on his name. You know the name. You call upon him. He's going to save you. Right there in Psalms 91. Now I'm going to give you one more blessing. This is a real blessing to me. And you need to go home and do this. But I'm going to do this for Brother Ramey Music. And I'm going to do this for just, this is for my friend and dear brother in Christ, Brother Ramey Music. You've been with me for eight and a half years, brother, up here. You've been faithful to me, brother, and you've been really good to me, and you've been a dear brother in Christ, me and Brother Raymond. And when I, when I was thinking about resigning the church about four or five years ago, he said, I'm going to chain you down. You're not going nowhere. And I thank you for that, brother. It meant a lot to me. 
But go back up to verse 14. I'm going to show this to you. Everywhere you see the he and the him, you're going to put your name in there. That's going to be a blessing. And I'm going to use Raymond. Brother, I'm going to use your name in here. Look at this. I'm going to read this through in closing. Verse 14. Because Raymond has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver Raymond. I will set Raymond on high because Raymond hath known my name. Raymond shall call upon me and I will answer Raymond. I will be with Raymond in trouble. I will deliver Raymond and honor Raymond. With long life will I satisfy Raymond and show Raymond my salvation. Amen. 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 That's a promise to every born again believer underneath the sound of my voice. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, man, I'm not preaching to you. This protection that God's angels are not over you. He set those angels up for me and for my other brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this stuff's not for you. There's no telling what's going on in your life. I can't speak for you. I know I was unsaved before 17 and I had all kinds of wicked stuff going on in my life. And we're going to give you an opportunity in just a couple of minutes to come down and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you can have all these great promises in Psalms 91 because, see, you won't be calling God Jehovah. You'll be calling God Jehovah saves. He's my Savior. <laughs> he's not only a God. Everybody knows he's a God. The fool has said in his heart there's no God. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble with fear. The devils know who God is. When Jesus Christ come across a demon in the Bible, you're not reading it. The demon would get down on his knees and goes, what, to do, what do we have to do with the, the son of the most high God? They knew exactly who Jesus was. They know who God is. Amen. But you've got to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You've got to take God as your Savior. He can't no longer be God. He's got to be God, my Savior, my protector, my truth, my buckler, my shield. You're going to protect me, Lord. You're my Father. And man, I need all the protection I can get. Let's have an invitation, brothers. Come on down and have an invitation. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. I got a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you realize the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ encouraged us in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are you saved? Jesus says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you think of a time you've called on Jesus Christ to save you? Well, if you haven't, friend, I encourage you to get down on your knees and pray as admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. And I'm here to tell you that he will save you. Now, if you prayed that prayer or if you'd like to get a hold of us, contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com, IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.